presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Today, I had this, I had this word that God gave me about, oh, I can't remember the date now, a month ago, in, somewhere in November. And I knew that it was for our church. And so I've kind of had to sit on it and wait until it was the right time to have a sermon spot after Christmas and New Year kind of things. And this is the word that I felt that God gave us. And you can probably already tell it's from this scripture. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerah. You know, I should have practiced saying that word. Zeri, yep, from him, right, from Z, we're going to call him Z, right? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And when he gave me this word, so it's not by might, and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And some of the other thoughts that came to me almost straight after this was, Be aware that the accuser is standing there waiting to accuse you. He is waiting to tell you that you are not good enough. He is trying to tell you that you have no power over him. He's trying to tell you that you are trapped. You're never going to get out. It's going to be like this forever. He is telling you that God doesn't hear your prayers. He is giving you thoughts of death and shame and telling you that you are just one little tiny insignificant person and that God doesn't hear little of you. But it is not by might It is not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And I thought when God gave me these, it felt like two separate words, right? When he gave them to me. But it was all at the same time. And it wasn't until I started to prepare this sermon and I thought, hmm, this scripture comes from Zechariah. Okay, honest hands, who has read Zechariah? Oh, a few few of you. Very good. So I decided I'd go and read Zechariah. It's, it's a hard read. You have to have a good imagination. You know poetry in school? Like, you know how when you had to do poetry and you had to interpret the poems? That's what I feel like it was like reading Zechariah. <laughs> um, so... When I read Zechariah, I realised how all of this comes together. So now I'm going to try my best to bring it all together for you and not confuse you too much. But first of all was that word about the accuser, that the accuser wants to accuse us of our sins and tell us that we are insignificant. Now, have you got your Bibles? Awesome. Got your apps, your Bibles out. Can you find the book of Zechariah? 
Zechariah 3, verses 1 to 5. We're going to read this together. All right, are you all with me? Okay. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. This is not Joshua from Joshua and Caleb, okay? This is a different Joshua. Standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take all his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts and I will give you a place among these standing here. So this is Zechariah having getting a vision or having a dream it was hard to work out because it says he was dreaming in the prior chapter but then it said that the angel woke him up um and so maybe he's awake and the angel's talking to him about about the dream the the vision that joshua sees here is i mean that zachariah sees is the is joshua standing in filthy clothes And then, so some of my thoughts from this is seeing Joshua was seen in filthy clothes. Satan comes ready to rebuke him. And God steps in and says, no way. And tells him to go away. And I just think it's just so cool that God then dresses Joshua in clean clothing. Jesus never wants to accuse us. He wants to forgive us and he wants to make us clean. And what I thought was, this is an Old Testament vision, right? This is before Jesus. They even God there in that place, he says to Joshua, to asks, asks him to follow his requirements after he dresses him white or dresses him in pure linen clothing. He didn't say, go do what's right first and then I'll make you pure or I'll make you clean. And so this is where I felt that that part of that word where the accuser comes. Here is this vision of the accuser coming and standing next to Joshua and ready to accuse him of his sins and to tell him how you know, bad he is and all the things that he's done wrong. And God just goes, no, (laughs) not my child. And that's what he wants to do for you. He wants to make you clean. And he doesn't want you to listen to what the accuser is telling you. 
So in that moment, is there a moment here that you just need to step back and go, hey, yeah, God, I'm sorry for those things that I've done wrong. Hey, yeah, God, I know that you've already sent Jesus to make me clean. I don't have to do anything else but accept you. Maybe Jesus is asking you right here and now to step back into that first love with him. So there is another another scripture that I want to go to where we find Satan trying to accuse Nehemiah. So we're going to go find Nehemiah. That one you have to go backwards. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter 6. All right. Have you found Nehemiah? Okay. Chapter 6. We're going to do a bit of reading today. All right. Make sure I've got the right one. I've done that before, haven't I? Um, Nehemiah 6. The word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, and Arab, uh, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Oh no, oh no. Okay, we had to do that, didn't we? Um, but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. So why should the work stop while I leave it and go, and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations and Geshem says it is true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us confer together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Delaiah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. 
I realized that God had sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name and discredit me. So to pull that into a little bit of context, if you don't know, it would have been a sin for Nehemiah to go into the temple. Um, That was a sacred place and not just anyone was allowed. That's my very simplified version, right? Because there's there's a lot of detail to go into that. So here we see people, men, coming against Nehemiah, trying to stop him from finishing the job that he was sent to go do. He was sent to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and he hadn't put the gates up yet and that is, they were trying to stop him from finishing the job. Isn't it interesting that four times they sent a letter to him, four times he gave the same reply. I think some of my reflections here is Nehemiah was a smart man. He knew the men were not trustworthy. He knew they were scheming against him. He was persistent just as they were persistent by writing back the same, four, the same message those four times. But then I loved that last message he sent back. That last message he sent back. Nothing like what you are saying Nothing like what you were saying is, has, has happened. <laughs> you are just making it up in your head. Have you had people tell you things that are just seem a bit ridiculous? Have you had people accuse you of things that just weren't true? Here is Nehemiah. This is, this is happening to him time and time over. But what we see from him is him staying strong and steadfast and focused on the Holy Spirit and Jesus and, going, and, and God and going, I'm going to do the job that he's asked me to do and I'm not going to sway from that and I'm not going to sin. So, what are we going to do? When people come at us, how are we going to react? I know how I react. I mean, you know, of course, in a very godly way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flipping tables, yeah. But we don't generally react in a very godly way the first, when we get accusations towards us, do we? Like, it's just, it's just like our normal nature is not to do that. We have to, be, we have to go into this godly training and keep our eyes focused on Jesus and keep on asking, okay, Jesus, how do you want me to respond in this situation? What do you want me to do? And so if you are feeling as though you have been, um, you know, treated unfairly or treated badly, I feel that, that part of this word today for you is that God is saying he's got you. It is not by might, it is not by power, and it's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by his spirit. And he's the one who's going to intervene, he's the one who's going to change words, he's the one who's going to change situations. 
And um, you can keep reading Nehemiah if you want to know what happens to in the in the end of that story. Um, and, you know, keep seeing how persistent Nehemiah is to finish the job that God has given him. So let's... I'm going to go back now to Zechariah. I forgot to tell you to keep your finger in it. So now you have to find it again. All right. Have you all got it? Zechariah chapter 4. So this is where we got up to... This is going to be the the start of, you know, the, the word... It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit. And... um. This is another vision. I'm going to just read it, okay? And this is where you get to bring in your poetry skills. Who was really good at poetry interpretation? (laughs) Yeah, all right. Okay, so let's, let's, let's read this one together. Then the angel who talked with me returned and wakened me. As a man is awakened from his sleep, he asked me, What do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it. I see a solid gold with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, What are these, my lord? He answered, Do you not know what these are? No, my lord, I replied. So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to thee. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Let's just read that next scripture, that next verse there. What are you, O mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground, then you will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. So, I did an internet search to see what kind of images would come up of um, this vision. This was probably one of the best that I could find, that we have the two olive trees... We have the seven candles and then the oil going into the bowl. Or anything that we don't have then again on this picture is then the oil going to the candles. Like there were seven. Yeah. I looked up, there's lots of different pictures. The other pictures have like the bowl hanging above the candles in midair and I don't know maybe in heaven that's my what that maybe that happens in heaven so I just I just thought I'd give you a bit of a visual because I'm like I couldn't visualize this maybe this is what it looked like maybe it wasn't this is somebody's interpretation and so I started looking up what does some of this mean and I'm, I'm not going to go through all of the things that I've found. I'm going to give you some, just some really simple things that I wanted to use to, to make this point today or that I felt that God wanted to make this point. The oil in the Bible 
often represents the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at those olive trees that make oil, when they're pressed, they yep, make oil, there's this constant source of oil going to the candles, going into the bowl and then in, into the candles. And so there's this, this is us. I, I see that we're the candles, that the Holy Spirit is constantly pouring into us. We don't have to make it happen. It just does. So when we're connected in with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, his spirit is in us. And so in this scripture, God is giving Zechariah this vision to share with Zerubbabel. <laughs> he was, um, from what I can gather from some of my research, and it wasn't a very intense research, I'm going to say, is that Zerubbabel and a few of the other Jews were trying to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And there was a lot coming against them and it was very difficult with the laws and the people who were living in Jerusalem and da, da, da. Okay, that's my simplified version, right? And God was telling them that it was going to like it wasn't going to be by their might, it's not by their power, it was by his spirit, that he was going to make the impossible possible. So I hope that makes you feel like you've got a little bit more, I don't know, to something different today. Like we, we've read some books in the Bible that we haven't read in church in a while. We don't generally pick up the book of Zechariah. <laughs> um, you know, but God wants you to know that it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by his spirit. And so whatever situation you're going through, whatever stress you're facing in your life, whatever trial it is, that he wants you to know that he is with you. He wants you to know that he is the oil in you. He wants you to fix your eyes on him. When you fix your eyes on him, then there is peace. Then there is a probably a, a better flow. There's no kinks in the hoses. That we fix our eyes on him. Then we won't grow weary and we won't lose heart. I'm going to read a scripture to you. I'm going to read Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 3 to you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, 
so that you will go grow we so that you will not grow weary and lose heart so as we fix our eyes on him we stop listening to the to the voices of the enemy of what the accuser is saying to us you're not good enough you can't do your job properly anyway you're just going to mess it all up who do you think you are <sighs> that's scorn <sighs> He is going to go at you. He is going to tell you all of that negative stuff. And so it's time to stop listening to those voices. It's time to stop listening to those things that are going to pull you down. And it's time to fix our eyes on Jesus. And I've got a whole list of scriptures that I was going to add to my sermon. And I went, it's probably too long. But I'm pretty sure that you probably, by now, most of you have a toolbox of scriptures or highlighted scriptures in your Bible that are going to tell you all of these things that I'm already telling you. Do you want me to give you a few? Do you want to, if you're writing them down? Ephesians 3.20 and James 1 just read whole James 1 consider it pure joy my brothers when facing trials of many kinds <laughs> I'm saying that a bit too sarcastically um, I didn't get the scripture references but some of the other, other script words from the scriptures are bring your requests to him with thanksgiving And Matthew 25, is it? Cast your burdens on him. That one. He will take your burdens. You're going gonna to check, check it out. Is it Matthew 25 or is it Matthew 24? I can't remember. <laughs> But anyway, so I hope that word has spoken to you and spoken into your life and your situation because we're all going through different things. Every single person in this room is going through their own challenges. And I'm certainly not um, going to say that I've perfected this either of how to stay focused on Jesus in the hard times. It's... It's very hard. It's very difficult. There's lots of tears. But I just keep I just keep remembering that Jesus collects our tears, so I'm gonna have a lot in heaven. <laughs> he counts our tears, counts the hairs on our head. He loves us so intimately and so dearly. And so I hope that you can take this word and that you'll be able to put your eyes on Jesus. And that you'll be able to stop striving and pushing into the things and be able to put it into God's hands and let the Holy Spirit take you where you want to go, take you where God has called you to go. Because if he's called you, he's got you, and he's going to make a way. I, um, 
I was thinking about this picture while I was worshipping and um, I kind of almost imagine like our hands. Our hands out like that, just receiving the oil of anointing from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit. And as we hold out our hands, they're kind of like a symbol of like openness. I'm open and I'm receiving. Just a thought. Anyway, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.